Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to bitterunits.com to learn more. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. Aaron, Joel, have you guys ever been to Czech Republic? I've been uh, to no. Canada. <laughs> You've been to Canada. <laughs> is that close? I, I, don't I mean, in some ways, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's different enough than he, from here that it's, yeah. I, mean, I would uh, say. That's I the know. farthest I've been out of the country is Canada because stupid COVID canceled my Greece trip last summer. So, and in the uh, movie Stripes, they say Czechoslovakia is like Wisconsin, and I have been to Wisconsin. edition of Bitter Units, a beer podcast hosted by the Tailgate Society, thetailgatesociety.com. We're back yet again. Uh, I want to take a moment and let you know that uh, JT isn't with us tonight. Uh, We had some personal things. JT, buddy, we love you. Hope everything's okay tonight. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the pod soon. Um, and with that said, we do have a special guest host. Um, you know him. You might love him. Maybe. <laughs> From our sister podcast, uh, as Tim and I like to think of it, or maybe we're kissing cousins or something even weirder. Who knows? But uh, we have Joel Codner sitting in the guest host seat tonight. Joel, how are you? He's already muted. This is already he's, off the great He's already start. muted himself. We're sitting in the grand. Sorry, and he's I muted. <laughs> I'm tinkering with these goddamn backgrounds. I must have clicked the wrong thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> and to answer your question, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate uh, you guys having me here, and uh, especially the little shout out at the end, uh, end of the last episode. Man, I was fucking setting up the cag washer and just like getting all weepy and shit. <laughs> Fortunately, well, uh, nobody was around. I, I, I tell you what, Libby is one of the best people that i could possibly know in this industry she looks out for everyone not just in this industry but adjacent to this industry or just even family and friends of people in the industry uh, it means a lot to me that she came on the pod but just how much she looks out for people you know she sent i know she sent you some beer this past year joel she sent me some beer she sent a beer to one of my friend's daughters who's going through a rough year at college. Like she's just all around a great person. And so, yeah, man, if if she gave you a shout out, that's, that's a whole other uh, level of respect that, that uh, in my opinion is well-deserved, but you know, you say that you don't like the term deserved, but you know what, man, you're going to have to just fucking take it. <laughs> the very first care package she ever sent me was completely unexpected. It was before she was doing, you know, that thing where it's like, you know, tag 20 people and I'll send them all a beer. 
it just showed up at the brewery one day and i guess she didn't know my last name or i guess she just looked up the brewery and sent it because it was addressed to grumpy guy joel <laughs> awesome well I'm, I'm sure whoever received that package at the brewery had no question who to deliver that to <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, we appreciate you joining us and and being a part of these shenanigans uh, tonight. And uh, now we're going to confuse everybody because we have a special guest as well uh, as we normally do. And Tim, uh, tell us who's with us. Well, so we also have a Joel, so it will be very, uh, very confusing as we go along. But we are lucky enough to be joined uh, this evening by Joel Wynn of New Belgium Brewing. Joel is someone that, uh, like Joel Codner, that he and I have followed along with each other on Twitter for, I don't know, it feels like forever now. But it's someone who I, I feel like has... Uh, a similar mentality in the brewing industry, but he also comes from a sales side, so he's going to bring uh, a little bit different for us than maybe what we've had before. Um, but Joel Wynn, welcome to the Bitter Units Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm touched. I, I'm flattered that you uh, asked me to do this. Thank you. And congrats on 14 years. Thank you also. This is, uh, yeah, today is a special day for me. Um, new Belgium is very big on rituals. Um, even now with our new owners, the, the, some, a lot of the rituals, I would say almost all of them have um, continued over. And uh, one of the big rituals is we celebrate our uh, beer born on date, as some of us say. It's our, our beer birthday. Um, I actually might have borrowed that from Jeremy Danner, actually. I think he might have been the first person to use that expression. But uh, yeah, don't, it's... Uh, it, don't you dare fucking give Jeremy Danner credit for anything. Uh, I, I'm going to be giving some shout outs today. If we're going to be talking and, and today, especially being um, a nostalgic day as it is. Uh, and, and if we're going to be talking about, you know, what my background is, I'll probably be giving out some shout outs. So props to Jeremy Danner for just being a, a hell of a dude. But yeah. So, so yeah, 14 years, like literally today, right? Like literally today, today. today. Today, today, yeah, yeah. Um, April sixteenth, two thousand seven. I started with New Belgium. My first job was to be the Iowa Beer Ranger. Um, for those of the of your listeners that don't know, Beer Ranger is um, it's the uh, the name of the job that uh, New Belgium street level sales reps uh, are called. That's the title for a, a street level sales rep, the Beer Ranger. And that's just something that stuck. It was kind of, I think it started out a bit like a joke in the very beginning or maybe like a half joke, half serious, kind of like, you know, kind of uh, try to be a little bit different. And um, and it's stuck. And, uh, and we still have beer rangers today. And so I was the beer ranger there from 2007 until 2000 and late 2008. And um, yeah, I ended up moving down to the state of Missouri. Back, I, I, That's where I come from. I'm from the Missouri Ozarks and grew up in, uh, in that area, went to, went to the University of Missouri. Um, yeah, so I w was able to get back a little closer to home and some friends for a bit and uh, was uh, in St. Louis for five years. And so a lot of the people like you were just, I don't know Libby Kreider, for example, but I do know that uh, she is very well loved. And from, from what I can see in all my interaction with her, um, 
the uh, the praise is well deserved. She she may be one of the nicest people in the business, but uh, a lot of the people that she worked with, um, and just a lot of the, the the St. Louis craft beer scene was really kind of starting to pop when I moved there. I moved to St. Louis the same year that Anheuser Busch laid off about 1,400 people in the St. Louis area. So if you were going to go to St. Louis to sell craft beer, that was the year to do it. And uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar. I'm sure you are with some of the um, the STL hops guys. Uh, Mike Sweeney is one of them. Um, sure. Eric Hildebrandt, Eric STL. Yep. Um, those guys are also, I told you I was going to be giving some shout outs. Those guys were also really, really kind to me and, and brought me into the, into the St. Louis craft beer scene and um, had just a really great experience there. Five years there selling beer. And then, um, you know, it's just, I was ready for a bit of a change in, uh, 2013. I, I had the opportunity to move out to Portland, Oregon, uh, and become the area sales manager for the state of Oregon and, and manage our ranger team there. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I was in Portland for, um, seven, almost seven years and then, uh, moved to Seattle, uh, just a little over a year ago. We actually consolidated this, um, the two territories. Oregon and, and Washington. And so now I'm the, the area sales manager for both states. So you've actually traveled a very similar life path to Aaron uh, between Missouri and Iowa and Washington. Oh, I, didn't, oh, I, didn't know, I didn't know you had a Missouri background. Cool. Yeah, I was born in uh, North Kansas City Hospital. <laughs> so lived in Iowa for about 20 years growing up. Uh, the only pit stop I had that you didn't is I lived in Texas for nine years before I okay. moved to, before I moved to the Pacific Northwest. Well, and I had a um, in between my in between uh, graduating from college and working for New Belgium, I actually I lived in the Czech Republic for eleven years. I was uh, went over in the U.S. Peace Corps right after school and ended up sticking around over there for a while. It's a pretty great place, I got to tell you. Oh, I bet that, that is uh, that is amazing. I've always wanted to go over to the czech republic uh aaron joel have you guys ever been to the czech republic i've been uh, to no. canada <laughs> you've been to canada <laughs> is that close i, I, don't I mean in it. some ways yeah <laughs> it's, it's different enough than he, from here that it's yeah i, mean, I would uh, say that's I the know. farthest i've been out of the country is canada because stupid covid canceled my greece trip last summer so and in the uh, movie stripes they say czechoslovakia is like wisconsin and i have been to wisconsin <laughs> <laughs> and and that is also not necessarily untrue i mean that's that's i, I can see some wisconsin there absolutely <laughs> oh shoot oh but yeah, it's uh, I've, I've had a pretty fun I've had a pretty fun beer adventure. I wasn't in beer when I lived in in the Czech Republic. I was actually um, a, a timber buyer. I, I went around after after my Peace Corps um, stint. I was working for a German company buying and selling hardwoods. Actually, I, I take that back. For a bit, I was working for a Czech company that had been bought by an American company, and I was I was like the assistant to the to the. But what's that? What's Dwight Schrute's title? Assistant the assist- regional manager. Yeah, I was, that's kind of like what I was. I was like the Dwight Schrute of this uh, of this Czech chair factory um, for <laughs> for a few years. And, seriously, the Dunder Mifflin of, of the of the Czech chair world, and um, that was a great experience. So I was the one American guy working in a, a factory of 350 Czechs, and uh, pretty amazing experience. But through that, 
I learned a lot about timber and hardwoods and ended up working for a German company buying and selling hardwoods. That was my background in college. I, I have a forestry background from school. So um, that's that was that. And then I moved back to the States and decided to go a completely different direction. So. So what, yeah, what was your transition from, from hardwood to beer? Well, I lost my job. (laughs) And then, then, uh, um, I just didn't really, I I didn't think I was really very good at it. I mean, it's not that sexy of a, uh, it is sexy. Let me take that back. Wood, hardwoods, like furniture, all of that cool stuff. People that know what they're doing. It's super sexy. I don't, I don't Um, think you can say the word wood without having a little bit of sex involved. Correct. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, it just, I don't think I was very good at it. And, um, you know, I think my, my managers didn't think I was very good at it. So, uh, at some point we parted ways and, and also I was just, I, it was about the same time that 9-11 happened and I'd already been over there for a decade and I'd just broken up with my girlfriend of a decade and had friends coming over from the States to visit and they had families and had houses and careers. And I was like, I'm still, you know, it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> so I don't know. I, at the time there was a, there was a period of time when I got back where I was like, why did I, why did I leave from over there? It's really great over there. But, um, Eventually, I found my way to New Belgium and haven't looked back since. That was that was a pretty good uh, journey for me. You know, I was just thinking about it, Tim, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I've drank a lot in between the time that we started this pod and now. <laughs> Not this pod today, but just in general since we started yeah. Bitter Eats. Well, well b- both. But this is our third. This will be our third New Belgium beer. I know we've done Fat Tire. What else would we have we done? Did Voodoo we... Ranger. Oh, with we Anya. did Voodoo Ranger. You're right. I don't remember who we drank that with, but that yeah, was with you're Anya. right. Oh, Anya picked that. That's because, right. Because I ended up grabbing the Imperial. Oh, we, that's right. We jacked right. it all up, and a couple of us had the regular, and I, I think Anya and I had the Imperial. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Joel, do you follow Anya Carter on 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 Twitter? Yeah, Back of course. Back? Yeah, we had it on uh, United We Drink not long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, she's the best. Yeah. Uh, Joel Wynn, Black Zag 05. Is that what oh, it is? Oh, uh, yes, I do. I do follow Black Zag. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. always know the names of the people that, that are with their, their Twitter profiles. Oh, yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, do yeah. I do follow that person. Yes. Yes. Uh, she is fantastic. Um, uh, you should listen to the United We Drink episode where she joined those guys as well. I oh, forgot. I'm have to listen to it now. Yeah, I forgot that she picked uh, Voodoo Ranger. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, New Belgium leading the way currently with three <laughs> three episodes. Yeah, we 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 did uh, Fat Tire with uh, Justin Kendall. Was that right? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, awesome. I, I'm glad that we can we can have another one. We can actually have someone on the pod who can actually talk to the beer that we're going to be drinking here in a little bit. Uh, so 14 years, three different states is that, or four different states, four different states. That's correct. Right. Yeah. And you yeah, actually seen... even actually for, there was a brief minute between, uh, between being the Oregon area manager and then the Oregon and Washington area manager where I was working with our specialty team um, and I'm, I'm going to use another name from Twitter. We would probably be referencing Twitter a lot tonight, 
but at Andrew, who's mm-hmm. Andrew Emerton, is one of our um, brand managers at uh, at um, New Belgium, and um, he, uh, uh, yeah, he. Um, what was I saying? I did this. I did this yesterday. I blanked. Um, you were in oh, between yeah. the two. Oh yes, yes. So I worked with Andrew on his team. Thank you. Gosh, mind uh, mind blanking here. Uh, I was working with him and um, basically repping all of our specialty brands, which would be all of our sour wood aged beers, um, including like La Folie, Le Terroir, some of the classics that you've heard of, and uh, selling those up and down the, the West Coast. So um, that was a lot of fun. So I did hit a few other states, but really have just lived in the four states. So you've seen a lot of changes at New Belgium over the years, though. Uh, employee ownership, the ownership you have now, the previous model before the employee ownership, right? Like you actually predate the employee ownership as well, don't you? you I don't? do not. No, okay. I was I was a little bit – I mean, I can't remember exactly what year that started, but I was definitely um, – I was definitely in after it had been fairly well established. Okay, okay, okay. But still, you've seen a lot of, of changes. But one thing that you were telling me the other day is for how much things have changed, things have also kind of – culture has largely stayed the same, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's, and that's kind of neat. I mean, a year in now, you'd think you'd start to see some little things. And I think, like, the things that have changed, we've, we've switched our, our, you know, our company car insurance. <laughs> we've, changed, we've, we've changed our um, – we just now changed our uh, expense reporting software. I mean, those are literally the only two big changes that I can think of that have been implemented in the last year since Kieran took over that, that directly affect me. So I don't see a lot of, I mean, I know that they're doing a lot of stuff, higher level. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, we have, um, Kieran, Kieran isn't really, Kieran isn't the direct owner of New Belgium now. It's, it's actually, um, Lion Little World, which is out of Australia, Australia, Australasia. I don't know exactly how they say that. They're based in Australia. And so we work with the Little World Beverages um, team. And uh, some of those folks have actually moved over, relocated to Fort Collins and are just kind of starting to figure things, you know, find their way around there and um, just figure out what the company is all about before, you know, it's a good idea to kind of get the lay of the land before you start implementing any major changes. And I don't think, I think new Belgium is humming, humming right along right now. So I don't really expect any big changes in, in the, in the near future. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, when you have a company that's been built on employee ownership, you kind of have this ownership mentality instilled into the people, into the mm-hmm. people that work there. And that just doesn't go away overnight. So I mean, there are a lot of us that were still, that are still there that, you know, came up in that system. So I think even though we're not owners anymore, we still really approach our business a lot like owners. And um, I think that's cool. It's uh, it, it, I have a lot of pride in my work. I'm very proud of the company I work for. As you guys could see today in my, my, uh, my Twitter post, um, I am very blessed to work with the people that I do. And also to, to have had the opportunity to encounter so many great people along the way, like yourselves. So um, today is just, again, this is a special day for me and, and it is, um, it is very fun to, to walk down memory lane. And by the way, I should say, this is the first time that I've actually, uh, Joel and I have, 
um, have communicated back and forth on Twitter more than once in the DMs and such. Um, so we chatted a bit, but uh, I've never actually talked to him in real life. So this is kind of a, also an honor for me to meet you in real life, too. So I wanted to oh, that, the feeling is totally mutual. I mean, I, I, I'm so grateful to have met so many people, you know, digitally and it's, it's still digital this way, but at least we're live and, you know, interacting in real time. And, um, you know, I just, I, I love new Belgium and, and I've, everyone I've met from there has just been amazing. I've been to both breweries and they're like life changing tours. Uh, one of the truly one of the best days of my life was 2013, uh, GABF week. Uh, we went up to Fort Collins and, there was like a big brewer's reception type thing. And I remember uh, playing, we were in some tent and we were playing ping pong. I, I was playing ping pong with an assistant brewer who I later fired, uh, but they were playing like old school um, hip hop on the, on the speakers. And I was drinking a transatlantic Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just like, that's, how I remember beers like to me it's about the experience and where you are and who you're with and what you're doing and not just what's in your glass and I, I have such amazing new Belgian memories I mean I, I met Kim Jordan at uh Saver in 2011 and I'm like when are we gonna get fat tire in Florida my my father-in-law was living in Arizona at the time and kept telling me like you gotta get it you gotta get it and I said it's not in Florida yet and we we, we actually had one uh like back then we had like very few breweries here but there was a co- uh, like a coffee and beer bar and the owner would cross the florida georgia border and buy it and then bring it back to sell which is totally illegal sure but, uh, we appreciated it <laughs> we've all seen Smokey and the bandit you know you gotta, <laughs> gotta see what you gotta do yeah perfect reference yeah well, oh, that's and, awesome and you know you talk about company culture and and one thing you know joel and i have talked about through our brewing careers is the importance of company culture. Uh, Joel had a really good thing on, on Twitter a couple days ago about like, what are you, what are you giving up and what are you valuing as like for yourself as an employee and, and what compromises are you making because you really need to kind of stand up for yourself. And I think one thing that new Belgium has been known for, for a long time is that, employees feel both proud and valued and and i i think when i see someone like you who's a 14 year vet at the company it speaks volumes to that which i think is 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 huge cuz yeah. I, I Joel i know you'll echo this not a lot of breweries necessarily represent that portion of the ideal of craft brew well i th- i think it's just in my experience that being in south florida it's a completely different culture than most of the brewery places or, you know, regions that I visited, whether it's Colorado or Chicago or California and Oregon, um, I, I don't really know how to explain it without making it sound really bad. And and I don't want to because there's truly some great people here and just being a part of this has totally changed my life. But it's it's night and day differences when you go to like like, like one thing that always stands out for me is I went to. Sierra Nevada in California and it was just a miserable rainy day and there was a guy outside raking out one of the torpedoes like in the rain with a raincoat on had the biggest smile on his face and I was just like 
that's cool culture where like everyone is enjoying what they're doing. Our tour guide, like knew she had started in the restaurant as a hostess and now she was doing the tour and she literally knew everything about the place top to bottom inside and out. Like, you know, the scripted tours and you know, the ones that are legit. And that one, I mean, she, she straight up like walked up to the bottling line and like turned the speed down so that we could see it filling, you know, slower than, cause that thing's just whooshing by, you know? Um, so, you know, the company culture is such a huge deal. And, and whenever I'm somewhere that I feel like it's not what it could be, it's very disappointing. And I've, I've been a part of a couple of those breweries and it, it feels like I should have grown up by now and been more of a realist, but like, I still feel like, you know, we keep telling each other this story that beer is great and we love it and we're all friends and you know and then you get part of something toxic and it's like what this is not what i thought it was you know but i still have that hope that you know the industry will be what we tell everyone it is you know what i mean yeah yeah um, that's that's one of the 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 biggest challenges right like like you said you, you don't it's a part of you it's like oh grow up like life is tough everywhere but at the same time, we see these breweries like New Belgium that have uh, that thing that maybe we we think is idealized, but at the same time, we know that there's potential um, to have some of those things. So it's neat to see someone that that it's rare at this point. You know, I, I have a lot of friends in this industry for the last 10, 15 years, but not a lot of them have been at the same place for 10, 15 years. So, you know, 14 years is is. Uh, again, I think that just speaks volumes to to what is going on there and and why we're on our third new Belgian beer because it's not just that the culture is great, but that it reflects in the end product, right? Yeah, and I, I, thank you for saying that. I, I I'm proud of all the beers we that we make. You know, I think um, there was a time when we were we were definitely one of the real cool kids beer and like the craft the you know the the real down and dirty craft beer world. Um, and as, as more craft breweries came along, people were able to diverse. I mean, I guess the right word way to describe it is diversify their tastes and their likes. And there was more to choose from. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, years later, there is a large sector of people that are in, into craft beer that have never even had a new Belgian beer. So, I mean, for us, it's a constant challenge to try and, uh, and recruit new drinkers and, and, and share the story about new Belgium. But, um, it's a lot easier to tell the story to people that kind of grew up with it as opposed to telling it to people that have no idea what it's about. People, when you do tell them, they love it. They're all, but you know, it's getting harder and harder to tell the story. So in the sales world, that makes my job a little more difficult, um, which, you know, that's fine. That's, that's what we're here for. That's what we're supposed to do. But uh, it is our job to, to communicate, not just the merits of the beer, but the merits of the company, you know, the culture, what we stand for, why you might, you know, if, if, if all things being equal in the beer are, are the same, then let's look beyond that. And what is this company doing outside of beer that might, you know, convince you to, to sell our beer, you know? So that's kind of the things that we like to communicate. And I'm lucky that New Belgium has a really great, compelling story to tell, has always had a great, compelling story to tell and, and continues to. So, um, but yeah, just, uh, kind of backing up to what you were just talking, I think um, 
for a long time, there was this uh, kind of perception that, that, and I, I've seen it recently mentioned again, that craft beer is asshole free. And, and, and I can, I can tell you, I'm an asshole. So it's definitely <laughs> not asshole free. And, uh, and um, you know, I, I don't, to, to make that, to make that statement is a little bit naive and, and silly and, and, and generic, you know, we can, I think we've all had our moments where we've probably been assholes and that's just human nature. And it's the nature of any business. Um, I was in the, the wood business and the furniture business, a lot of assholes over there too, you know, but a lot of also great people. So I think people are just people. And, um, and uh, you know, if you are blessed enough to work in this business, I think you need to just take a reality check every once in a while and realize that the the bulk of the people that we that we encounter in the world in the business tend to be pretty good people, and even some of the ones that that maybe didn't strike us as all that cool to start with. I think once you get to know some of them, you know, or if you have a second chance with some of them, you know, some of them may be okay too. So um, I don't know. I I'm. Uh, I'm still enthusiastic about, about the culture of, of craft beer in general and the people that, that uh, inhabit the world of craft beer. And, um, and again, I, again, if some, there are days when I think I'm the asshole and um, you just kind of got to, you know, brush yourself off the next day and, and get back into it. And um, you know, that was yesterday. Today is a new day, right? So well, we all have, we all have, we all have an opportunity every day to start over. Well, despite what Aaron would tell you, I, I've never been an asshole. Um, <laughs> Me either. Unless you talk to my wife or read any of my peer reviews from work, um, never once have I been an asshole. No, the the whole the 99% asshole free. So uh, one of the guys in this industry up here in Minnesota who I, I'm lucky enough to consider a friend. I don't know uh, if he would say the same thing, but one of the guys who's been sort of a mentor for me is Dave Berg at Shells, and he's one of the first ones to kind of point out that like 99% asshole free is a myth. That he's one of the first guys to point out that this is a business and a lot of kind of business and cutthroat things and some shitty things go on at the same time. Uh, but he's also one of those guys that as grumpy as he is about that that he's one of the first guys that I could go to and say, hey, I'm I'm having a trouble with this happening in my beer, and I don't know what's going on. What do you think is going on? And he has been the very first guy to talk to me about this stuff. Uh, you know, it, you don't see that stuff on Twitter from him either, Because, but he is also one of those guys that, you know, he's that old guard that watched all this stuff, and he can be cynical from, you know, his point of view from you know 20 years in the industry or longer than that i guess um uh so there is kind of this dichotomy of like no we're not we're not perfect we have our issues there are certain larger breweries who in the last couple of years have gotten into trouble for some ways they've treated staff things like that i'm going to just leave that generic for now um but at the same time there still is a lot of camaraderie and sharing of ideas and things like that which is still pretty cool yeah, and I think at this point, the asshole free thing feels a lot like just like a marketing tagline kind of thing. And it also doesn't worry me too much because I've been in Florida 29 years now. So I'm I'm so used to asshole. <laughs> it's, you know, like it's I, I've, visit I've, Florida. 
Yeah, I've got such a high tolerance now. So, so for me, you know, encountering an asshole in the industry is like, okay, well, I'm never going to support your beer or your brewery, you know, whether it's, and I've had insanely popular breweries be complete dicks to me at, you know, this festival or, or whatever. And it's like, okay, fine. Like, I'm just, I've got like, what, another 8,000 breweries to choose from. So, I find it funny when people think they can act a certain way, considering the competition that's out there now. But, you know, we're also in a bit of an egotistical industry where a lot of it is startups, you know, people who had some minor success here or there and are like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I've homebrewed three times. I'm going to open my own brewery now, you know, so there is there is a lot of ego out there. It's a creative industry. You know, there's some artistry to it. Ego comes along with a lot of that. So it's not unusual to encounter assholes. But that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is the kind of culture as far as the taking care of the beer. You know, like Tim, you know, I obviously have uh, a bunch of beer I'm already planning to send you in, in, you know, thanks for the box you sent me. But I was looking around today at the store and it never seems to click with me i always walk into the beer store like with that sense of adventure and wonder like i did over a decade ago like oh what's what's out what you know what's new what have, what have i not tried and it's just like can after can is ready to explode there's no date code or it's ancient you know what i mean no one's rotating product no one's doing any sort of qc and i felt horrible like like i don't have much in the way of locals that i can send that i feel like i'm proud of to be like in this area and i hate saying that like it really bothers me so you know at, at this point, it's less personalities and whether you're an asshole or not and more about you know are you taking care of I don't like the normalization of bad beer and, and all these things that new people normal. You know, they'll go to the store and try something that's completely horrific. And because it's a product on a shelf, they think it's, you know, something professionally made, which it's not always the case. Yeah. Now, I think, again, going back to, to uh, New Belgium is that's one of those breweries that I do trust. That when I see it on a shelf that I, I feel confident, you know, there are really, even amongst some of the larger regional brands, there are a handful of breweries that I know that I can trust that if I have their beer, um, I don't have to be so worried about, okay, that's a little older on a shelf. The, the date code on that isn't perfect or whatever, because some... Um, there, there are beers that even some regional or national brands that that I worry about date codes, and you know, Joel, I had the same thing. I went in, so I went to to find the beer we're going to drink tonight, and I went into a Total Wine, and I have a hard time going into Total Wine, not to rag on what could be a potential national sponsor. They're never going to sponsor us, but I uh, because <laughs> there's so much. Uh, beer on a warm shelf just dying. And because all of the Minnesota craft section is on a warm shelf 
And even the best beers that I love and I know, I know aren't going to be as good as if I go to one of my local liquor stores and get it in a cooler and it's going to be cold or whatever. But there, then there's a brand like New Belgium, New Belgium, Sierra Nevada. Uh, not that's I it. Even, yeah, that's about it. Honestly, <laughs> that if I know uh, that I'm going to get it, that I don't have to worry about. Well, I wasn't gonna. I'm not gonna comment on Sierra Nevada. I, I'm a fan, so I, and I know that they're they're an amazing brewery. But I was going to say that as far as New Belgium goes, you can trust us in that regard. I, and I, I say that with with um, with 100 percent um, assuredness that that uh, you know I'm not saying that you won't find examples of where our QA has gone wrong out there. But if you're looking for just a good solid beer. It's shelf stable, and you know, as long as it's within its code date, it's going to taste, you know, like it was meant to taste. And uh, we work really, really hard to make that make that happen. So, um, it's a big part of it's a big part of what I do. Um, managing the sales team QA is is always, you know, one of the one of the top things that we address. We're always, I mean, you know, I, I hate to say it, but occasionally there are places where beer goes and dies, and we just have, you know we spend a lot of money picking it up and replacing it with fresh beer, you know? So, um, it sucks when you, when you see beer go out of date, but we always find people to drink it, but, uh, but we don't sell it. To them. You know, you can, you can drive by a, you can drive, you know, everybody has somebody in their neighborhood that'll drink your old beer. But, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big part of um, who we are as a company and right from the beginning, I mean, from day one, when I started working there as a ranger, one of the, one of the, the, the ranger motto is to, I'll show it to you. It's, um, maybe you can see that there. It says to protect, to pour, to, to partake. And so, um, to protect is the first one listed on there. And, um, that is kind of like our, you know, if you're going to have a, a scout's motto or a scout's creed, or Rangers Creed, um, protecting the beer, getting good quality beer to, to the consumer is is one of the, the most important things that we that we can do. So, uh, Matt Meadows, uh, I don't know if any of you have met Matt, but uh, Matt was also part of the, um, the Brewers Association quality team. Matt is our in-house QA um, uh, guru, and uh, he helped write the the Brewers Association quality manual. I think with Neil Witte, those two guys were instrumental in that and um uh, you know matt's been a great, a great neil doesn't know what he's talking about i'm, I'm kidding <laughs> neil i'm kidding <laughs> he's someone i've leaned on more than once i, I speaking of neil how many of you guys caught did any of you guys catch the uh the um cicerone um side pour seminar that they put on a couple days ago no yeah um uh cicerone um organization um with neil witty and Evan Rail out of the Czech Republic, the writer Evan Rail, um, they they did a uh, I think it was at least an hour long seminar on YouTube um, with Q and A session um, specifically talking about the side pour faucet. If you get a chance to go back and check that out, I very much encourage you to do so. I watched the first few minutes today while I was working, but I couldn't just you know stand there looking at YouTube on my phone while you know doing that. So, <laughs> uh, but I. I was so anxious to see it. I couldn't watch it live yesterday, but it's definitely something I want to sit down and watch because the whole 
fascination with side pours and and slow pours now is is really interesting and um it feels like a lot of people got into loggers in the last year obviously you know not be, not only because we want to drink them and everything but because you know you got plenty of tank space during the pandemic so why not and um there's like i, I really want to hear about i guess someone commented <clears throat> excuse me uh someone commented about like are they going to address why it's okay to stick the glass and the beer in the glass in that faucet, but not with like a normal, you know, perlick or whatever. So uh, Neil said he was going to address that too. So I'm looking forward to, you know, and, and I just, I love the random stuff he puts out. I mean, today he was talking about um, why rinsing your faucet is just better than putting one of those black caps on it. Right. Right. But yeah, the 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 uh, the dark and and warm and, and sealed wet area is gonna just stay dark and wet. Uh, yeah, no. It... Well, he has the answers, and it's a really. I, I'm not gonna steal his thunder because I would. He, he, I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, but those guys do, and it was really really um, interesting to listen to. And uh, Evan Rail, um, if you don't follow Evan, you really should. He's a a great writer. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him on my last trip back to the Czech Republic and met him at his little local pub in Prague and uh, really fascinating guy to talk to. Um, he's been there. I, I was there about 11 years till 90, um, sorry, 2001. And he had just kind of moved there when I left and he's been there ever since. So he's had this really amazing journey over there too. Very fascinating guy to talk to. I'm sure sitting in a local Czech, pub was really difficult for you i've 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 put that hardship on myself so many times you wouldn't believe it you, you uh, come to terms with what you had to deal with i, I you know I, put, I i did what i had to do i sucked it up well yeah. so sp- speaking of hardships uh i want to know your best iowa story my best iowa story well man i tell you what 2007, the craft beer landscape looked quite a bit different. I think at that time, there might have been 1,400 craft breweries across the country, roughly, not even. Um, so still pretty, still a young, and not new, but but young and, and developing and just starting to catch fire. Um, we were talking, Tim, yesterday. At that time, there were like three Iowa craft breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was Amana. I knew the guys at Old Capital Brewing in Iowa City. Um, there were a couple others I knew of, but yeah, there weren't a lot. So, um, new Belgium launched in 2007. So I actually got to roll out the brand in Iowa and, uh, new Belgium and Iowa are very intricately, um, connected in the, in the sense that I would say easily 30 people at the brewery that work at the brewery are from Iowa. And so 30 people in Fort Collins is, you know, take their relative if they're from Iowa take their relatives you know between all of them they were related to pretty much everybody in Iowa so you know you I you'd hear these stories of people um I, I made the Smokey and the Bandit joke earlier um people would used, used to do that they would drive to Colorado from Iowa I would hear this every time I did a promo anything I did for the for the year and a half I was there yeah we used to drive to Fort Collins and load up the car and then drive back and sell it to all of our friends and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. So for that year and a half that I was there, um, I was a rock star. That's as close to 
being a rock star as I've ever been, ever will be. Um, it was amazing. On, on the day we rolled out the, the beer, uh, we had a bike parade in Iowa City that started at John's Market. I'm, I'm sure you guys know John's Market. Um, definitely one of the, the big early uh, supporters of craft beer and import beers. Um, we rode down the street from uh, from John's Market down to Old Capital and had a big promo down there to, to kick things off. We actually, um, we actually, for the first six months that we were in Iowa, we only sold 22-ounce bombers. So that was the strategy then, is that we start with the 22-ounce the bomber, and then we move into draft. We didn't even start with draft. We didn't bring draft in until like six months later. Mm. You know, then eventually six packs and all that. But for the first, I'll show you guys this bottle. I keep this on my desk. As I said, tradition and rituals are important in New Belgium. And so this is on my desk all the time. This is a 22-ounce bomber from the Iowa rollout. This beer is 14 years old. I'm sure wow. it's sure it's disgusting um, but uh but uh the you can see this label right here right there that says fig bry mm -hmm. and that stands for if you're from iowa you you've heard or anywhere in the midwest you've probably heard of rag bry rag bry is a bicycle ride across the state of iowa it's put on the by the des moines register it goes from one one side of the state to the other every year one year it's on the north side of i-80 and, and the next year it's on the south side Anyway, it's a popular event, and we thought we would do kind of a play on the name Ragbri. And so this is actually the Figbri label. So it's Fat's inaugural great beer ride across Iowa is what that stands for. Nice. And uh, I still keep this as a reminder of where I started and where I've come from with New Belgium. And uh, it's fun to talk about that today especially. But, yeah, Iowa was great. Um, I remember – Oh man, so many great stories, but I just, the launch, the, the launch period was really great. I, um, my regional director at the time had come from Diageo and, uh, he had, uh, he had gone through every costume and, you know, anytime they did kind of some kind of a sales meeting, he would come in like as a seventies basketball player, you know, or, or just, you know, any kind of crazy costume. So he challenged me to um to come up with a costume to wear for like the entire rollout week and so i mean it was pretty easy for me to become fat fat elvis or fat jolvis <laughs> I was at that time. so i rented a, i rented an elvis costume and uh um i just remember being really God, I, hate, I don't hate to say it i was drunk that entire like two weeks i wasn't driving people were driving us around <laughs> I, I was drunk a lot those first couple of weeks um and then loving it having a great time in my elvis costume and um I, yeah i remember being at the uh the, the marriott in in downtown des moines or whatever that big hotel is right next to the state capitol mm -hmm. and in their ballroom and just like being cross-eyed riding a fat tired cruiser through the ballroom back and forth all over the place and yeah um i i, I had a lot of, i had a good ex I, I coming from missouri we always had this thing against iowegians and uh you know basically I'm, I'm from the missouri ozark so anything north of the missouri river was iowa as far as we were concerned and that was like you know there's nothing up there those people there's yeah those are iowans or flatlanders or those farmers up there and stuff and i moved up to iowa and i was like this place is great. <laughs> this is like, this is like a nicer Missouri. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I had a yeah, great, great experience. Great people. In fact, today, um, 
when I, when I put out my, my message about the 14 years, I, I bet there were probably three or four people from that original like rollout. Uh, some of the guys from Iowa beverage systems and from flex sales and some of the other distributors that I worked with that, uh, that wished me well today. And that was, that's nice when you can, when you can reflect back on a career 14 years ago, and there are still people that are in the business that still have good memories of what you did when you started and what you brought, um, brought to the game when you, you know, when we, when we got into the game, um, I got to feel good about that. That, yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's, it's funny how you run across people throughout your entire career as you cross states, I mean, I've got friends from Iowa that all of a sudden I'm running into, and they're sales reps for brands in Florida that I accidentally ran into, not because I was still keeping tabs on them, but because I was, you know, when I was at Buffalo Wild Wings, all of a sudden I was getting a text message from a guy that I'm like, "Hey, we went to college together." Do you like it? Like it's funny how how small the beer world is in that way. Um, but it is, it is cool to see all of those things. Well, so Tim, um, you, you lived at Ames, right? You were in Ames for a bit. So, so did Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys do the cake shop. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so one of my, he actually worked for new Belgium for a while after that, his name's Brandon Prezek. He was cheese, but his older brother owned the cake shop in Iowa. So, I mean, in Iowa, in, in Ames and, I just have all those little connections and those little connections from Iowa just started, you know, like, as you said, blossoming and, and weaving themselves across the country. So, yeah. Yeah. Aaron, I don't know that I ever bought anything as fancy as, as new Belgium. I mean, we were there before new Belgium was in, was in Iowa. Uh, what do you think was the fanciest keg or case you bought at the keg shop in Ames? Oh, geez. Um, Old style, rock, maybe. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we never bought anything that was expensive. That's for sure. I was more of a Cyclone Liquors guy myself, actually. So, I've been uh, to Cyclone Liquors too. Those were they were they were also uh, very good desks. The I, manager Roger of Cyclone Liquors, when who is still, I think, managing the place now, uh, and my brother Troy, who has made a guest appearance on a recent pod that we haven't released yet, we were friends with him. And I, Roger, doesn't drink beer. So a lot of my early craft beer drinking was because Roger would get samples of stuff and he would give it to me to tell me whether a Cyclone Liquors should carry it or not. And they <laughs> because, trusted you? Yeah, it was a dumb idea, but I drank a lot of free <laughs> beer. Um, but yeah, so Joel, Joel, have you been to have you been to Iowa and in, in any of the Iowa uh, uh, Iowa City, Des Moines, Iowa, Ames? Like it, like intentionally? Yes, <laughs> yes. No, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, no, I actually, I really haven't. Um, I spent first 13 years of my life in uh, suburbs of Chicago, so not too far away. I think. I, I, yeah, a lot of Chicagoans uh, end up over in, in Iowa going to school. So, um, well, I would, I would, if you ever have the opportunity to, to pop through there sometime, I would encourage you to do so. It's a uh, Des Moines and Iowa City both have a really nice craft beer culture, in my opinion. Yeah, that that whole Ped Mall area in Iowa City uh, actually kind of has a lot of like Chicago vibe to it. Um, For sure, absolutely. Half of, half of Iowa City students are from yeah. Chicago. Yeah. On a Friday night, on a Friday night during during the school year, forget about it. It's crazy. Uh-huh. 
but even you know even going to to you know court avenue going down to el bait shop and high life lounge yeah Yeah, jeff bruning and jc those guys were amazing amazing guys uh still friends i still still talk to jc um i don't talk to bruno that much uh He's got a family and stuff. Um, he's he, he's got a lot of he's got a little bit of an empire there now in in uh, in Des Moines. But uh, um, great guy. Always had a great time working with him on things. And then JC was the manager over at the, at the uh, High Life Lounge. Which if you're ever in Des Moines, Joel, this is someplace you got to go. It's like it, half of the bar is it's the El Bait Shop, all craft beer bar, taco bar. The other half is like. Nothing, nothing newer than like 1970 in there. Shag carpet, Shag oh, carpet wow. wood panel walls, meatloaf, meat like every vintage beer sign you've ever seen on the walls. It's cool. Yeah. When you when you say High Life Lounge, like imagine the beer Miller High Life became a bar. That's what this is. Well, I do not need any convincing to leave Florida for any reason. <laughs> Uh, it's just it's it's another one on the list. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not trying to get you to leave Florida, but if you do get a chance to stop in Iowa, I would encourage yeah, you. We, to we can, we yeah, can get that. we can get uh, Eric Hild from Tappling Goliath to come down and meet us in Des Moines, and I swear to God, we will have a good time. There you go. Uh, I think it would. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Uh, just don't I'd... invite JT. <laughs> oh wait. Sorry, JT. <laughs> You're not here to defend yourself this week. <laughs> So uh, one more question, uh, Joelwyn, that I have for you before we go to break, and it's a question that we ask everyone. Uh, actually, Aaron, I'll let you ask this one. Okay, I've actually I'm gonna I'm gonna revamp this question a little bit this week because as a guy who has done Ragbri a few times personally, when we rode Ragbri, there was always a guy, uh, and this is years ago, who would bike the route pulling a keg mm-hmm. yeah okay um, i think there were more than one but well yeah. there was there were people who had full <laughs> bars on the back of their bikes and stuff it was yeah bananas um but there was one specific guy who did this who at the top of every hill would stop and have a top of the hill party so if you were riding ragbri and you were the top of the hill party guy because it eventually, I believe, turned into a cooler van with taps on the side. <laughs> um, what three beers to five, your choice, would you three absolutely have, have to have with you to serve to the people who made it to the top of the biggest hill that day? Aaron, I like the way you asked this. This was a good pivot. Great question. Um, well, I'm going to start with my all-time <clears throat> classic favorite beer. It's uh, Pilsner Urquell. So it's got to be on there, hands down. Um, one of, I love that beer. I love it a lot. <laughs> I love it a lot. And uh, <laughs> um, it, it would have to be on there. Um, number two, um, you know, I really still love Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I think that would be have to be on there. That's still a great beer in my fridge right now. And, um, you know, just, uh, beer number three, I'm going to throw one of ours on there. Uh, something that I love that I think is just, it's one of my all time favorite new Belgian beers is, uh, is our transatlantic Creek that Joel was mentioning earlier. 
Um, and that went on a nice hot bake and actually quenched your thirst quite nicely. So I'm imagining being at Ragbri in August on top of a big hill, by the way. It's it pretty warm out there. Um, or no, wait, no, it's late July. Excuse me, right? Late, late yeah, July. usually late yeah, excuse July. Me. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Close enough. And then, and then the other two, man. It's as hot out of the way. The other two, wow. Uh, I might throw a couple on there that I might not have even had that I just know would be good. Like, um, like, and this is just me being a, a lager lover again. I would love to have like one of those notch Pilsners on there maybe or something. They just look so good. I, I want to have one one of these days. And um, I'm going to give those guys a shout out just because uh, I love everything they're doing. I just want to try their beer sometime. Their beer, I hope their beer is not terrible. I can't imagine that it is. But uh, they look like they're doing it right. So there's a, there's a second lager on there for you. And then, um, man, I think I need an IPA. And that's a tough one. Um, but I'm going to go with Freem IPA out of uh, Hood River, Oregon. Those guys. And actually, their Pilsner is, is fantastic, too. They make an amazing Pilsner. They make a, every beer those guys make is amazing. They're my favorite Northwestern brewery. And uh, their IPA, just their their original IPA was a fantastic beer. So free my PA. I, I, I like that list. I, I'm glad you, you shouted out Notch Brewing, even though you haven't had it. Joel Codner, have you ever had uh, Chris Lorraine's beers? Uh, a while back when I was trading uh, someone who, where, where are they from again? Uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had a, I had a regular uh, Massachusetts friend uh, who was uh, sending me a bunch of stuff from up there. Really cool stuff that we couldn't get down here and Notch was a uh, part of it. Yeah. I, what, what Chris is doing, I think is, is one of the more savvy, more um, he's one of those guys that, you know, we're going through a little bit of a, of a log of revolution in the country, but he's one of those guys who's been doing it forever. <laughs> and uh pays attention to history um mm-hmm. oh for sure know, right what he's doing like the, the the pine pitch in the in the beer barrels that whole thing is just yeah. that blows my mind that they're going to the trouble to do that and and, and kudos to them for doing that keeping it alive that's awesome um yeah i mean i notch notch was definitely one of them i just a, a wish beer on my part if i were talking about another beer that i would love or beers that i would love to try from a brewery that i haven't ever gotten to try their beers it would be dove dovetail in um in chicago oh, yeah. I mean, everything that they do just looks like they do it right and perfect and and beautifully and i i, I have never tasted their beers but i just know they taste good i just know it they do <laughs> yeah, they they really do. Yeah, like I said, Chris Lauren knows what he's doing. Uh, there's a reason that a lot of people respect his opinion, and if he calls something silly, you should probably just shut up and agree with him. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, right. So I hope I answered the question, though, Aaron. Was that it's, uh, was that no, good enough? Perfect. I mean, there's no wrong answer unless you say seltzer, which a couple yeah. of people have done. But uh, or flights of seltzer, or, yeah, <laughs> or flights of seltzer, right? Um, so with that, um, we're going to take a, a short break. We'll be back. Please listen to this word from our sponsor, Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. And I want to remind you to check out all of the other podcasts available at the Tailgate Society. Um, you can find them at tailgatesociety.com or you can search on your Apple podcasts or whatever you listen this to, uh, for the tailgate society and it will show up. Uh, there's a bunch of pods there that'll populate. Uh, you can find our pod individually, uh, or at the tailgate society stream. 
Um, so you can find us at just by searching bitter units and you can find us at bitterunits.com. And we will be right back with our third New Belgium beverage. Back when I started Deadeye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great Aunt Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard. And there was no way we weren't gonna do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com. And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that message from our sponsor, um, Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe. And so, as you know, if you're a regular listener, this is the time when we go through our tasting of the beer that we have been assigned to drink um, by our guest. Don't sound so... uh... Well, I'm, all, I'm like this. 0 for 5 on sours that I've tried that I that I like. Uh, 0 for 5. So <laughs> let's hope for for a change of uh, history here. But uh, Joel, when why don't you tell us what we are going to drink? So uh, for the beer that I I chose, um, I decided to to um, kind of go. Uh, out of the out of the boundaries of you know some of our more common beers the, the beers that most people know fat tire for example that beer um is a you know that's a what do they call it that's a, a legacy beer now or a classic or a um what's the uh february in february flagship beer it's a flagship beer for us been around celebrating its 30th almost 30th year this year wow. so um yeah crazy right and then uh and then the Voodoo Ranger family, while not not as old, it's a family or, or brand line as uh, as Fat Tire um, has taken off. Uh, people were a little bit skeptical about it at first, and maybe they still are. You know, there there are some purists out there. I don't know what what would be unpure about Voodoo Ranger other than maybe they're just turned off by the branding and so on. Um, the branding wasn't a big hit. I got to tell you, amongst some of the old timers at New Belgium when it came out. But the sales have made us all believers. So um, the proof is in the pudding in that regard. So we're, we're, we're definitely all bullish on, on Voodoo Ranger right now. But those beers are pretty common. I wanted to dig into something a little bit more esoteric um, from our wood cellar. And uh, I have a good relationship with, with our folks back at the brewery in that particular world. And um, I'm blessed to uh, have been able to work with that specialty team for a while with Andrew Emerton and, um, and some of our, uh, you know, amazing uh, brewers and blenders, Lauren Limbach um, being one of them. Lauren is our, our master blender. So a lot of your view, uh, listeners may remember um, uh, her, her previous uh, last name was Salazar, Lauren Salazar. So it's now Lauren Limbach for those of you that don't know. I was um, just going to ask. <laughs> yeah, that is Lauren Limbach. So, okay, good. I'm glad I clarified that. Lauren Limbach is the same person. That was Lauren Salazar, but now she is married to a guy named Pete Limbach. What's up, Pete? They're uh, they're very nice people. They're some of my best friends in the world. I love them, and uh, 
I'm sure I'm sure loyal listeners of the pods. I'm sure they're 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 very much listening right now. Yeah. So um, I wanted to give uh, give one of her beers a shout out and, and feature. And it's also really one of the newest beers in our in our uh, portfolio. So it seemed like a great, great beer to choose for tonight. And it's really just a lovely, nice beer to drink. It's, you know, all that citrus and and uh, just um, yeah, it's 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 a beautiful summertime. It's meant to be well. I'll let Aaron. I'll let you guide the tasting here. I don't want to give away too much too early. But well, t- I'll let Tim you back guides, to Tim guides the tasting because okay. he, <laughs> he is supposed to be the expert. Um, uh, I'm I'm the idiot of the group, so you know it's it's, but it is Dominga Mimosa Sour, is right, right. is the beer. Um, right. I've got what I'm guessing is a pretty fresh can, because it has an October third. Best Buy date on it. Yes. Um, uh, Yeah, that's... And based off of the other numbers, I'm guessing it was made on 4-4 of 21, which means... You have a very very fresh one. You have a very fresh one. A couple of weeks old, uh, so it should be good in that regard. Um, So, Tim, let's get get us started here. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and and pour that into your glass if you haven't already. While you're pouring, Tim, if you want, I, I can give you a little bit of background about just how it came to be as a beer and then we can talk oh, about ple- yeah please please do. please yeah. do so i mentioned lauren lauren um has been uh working in our sour program for years she basically with peter buchart uh, our former uh, brewmaster in belgium who went on to start his own brewery purpose brewing um peter had been at rodenbach before he came to new belgium um peter is belgian he came to we hired him from from rodenbach he came to fort collins and um, you know, helped us get the brewery up and running and, and uh, to a point where, you know, things were going pretty smoothly. And I think he got a little bit bored and started thinking about, you know, his his sour beers that he was his near and dear to his heart from back back in the, the home country. And so he started playing around with uh, with some sour, some sour beers. I think La Folie, um, if I'm correct, La Folie, the, the culture, the Oscar culture in La Folie, and Lafayette itself is the oldest and longest continuously propagated sour beer in the United States. Um, so that's a pretty, pretty interesting um, pedigree for that beer, but it all kind of starts back in that wood cellar. And um, when Lauren kind of took it over from Peter and started uh, doing a lot of the blending and stuff, people, I mean, sour beer still wasn't really a thing. It didn't mm-hmm. it really didn't become a thing for quite a while. But we're talking like 2005. This is before I worked at New Belgium. Um, there was a, a fellow named David Bailey in St. Louis. And uh, David had come across La Folie. Uh, he loved it. David owns, uh, at that time, he just owned, I think, Bailey's Chocolate Bar. But since then, he's he's created quite a, a really nice little uh, empire of restaurants and beer bars in the St. Louis area. Uh, amongst them, uh, Bailey's Range, Rooster to name a couple. Um, anyway, he reached out to Lauren just out of the blue and said, Hey, can you come to St. Louis and do a sour beer event? And like nobody before that had ever asked us to do anything with sour beer. And so Lauren was like, yeah. So she came out and worked with uh, the Ranger at the time. His name is Ryan beach. Shout out to Ryan beach. Um, he's still with new Belgium. He's, he's like 16 years in now. So, um, beach and then Lauren and David, they, uh, had a great time and a friendship was born. So, 
Um, fast forward a few years. This is after, actually after I had already been there. We did a lot of stuff with David in the years that I was there too. But um, fast forward a few years, Lauren is doing a, an event at Bailey's Rooster, one of his one of his bars, which is kind of a brunch place. And uh, while they're at the event, the, the fellas from Food Crafters stopped in. And um, they showed up and wanted to chat and talk to Lauren and <laughs> And uh, after after the event, Lauren went with them to their production facility in St. Louis. And uh, while she was touring the facility, she saw this really super cool egg-shaped um, wooden fooder. I guess they're all wooden. I don't need to say that. Um, <laughs> she saw a, a fooder that was really cool and sh- shaped like an egg. And she saw it. She's like, that fooder was meant to make a brunch beer. And uh, so, you know, they, they hit it off. Those guys are great. Um, we actually have another one of their fooders that they, they lost to us in a bowling match. And so, um, and so, uh, we, we now have, they really wanted Lauren to have this little egg fooder. And so they gave it to her. So they sent us this awesome fooder. Um, and, uh, because they were so, so generous to do that, she dedicated the fooder to the concept of brewing a specific brunch beer and uh, the first the first version was just a really small batch, um, what we call blender. Blender is kind of like our small batch tagline, uh, our, a blender release. It had Valencia oranges in it and some other orange essence. I'm sorry, orange natural flavoring. Kind of. <laughs> and uh, and that was that was the uh, the first mimosa sour, if you will. So um, enter in Andrew Emerton uh, on the branding side, marketing side. Um, He's like, this is amazing. We need to sell this to everybody. And so they said, yeah, okay. So they decided to ramp up the production and then release it as a full production beer. And uh, the name itself, Lauren came up with, it comes from the word Domingo, which is uh, in Spanish. Sunday. I believe in Spanish it means Sunday, which yeah, is gonna, brunch gonna, day, right? Yeah, I was going to ask, is, is the name coming from this is supposed to be a brunch? You have your Sunday brunch. It is a brunch, Sunday brunch beer. Um, okay. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to just be Sunday. Uh but yeah, Dominga. And so Lauren decided that she would name the fooder Dominga. Uh, and she created this myth around the fooder and, and the beer. Um, Dominga is the goddess of brunch. <laughs> wow. So, so that's kind of how that came about. And um, I, you know, we really got to give credit back to the guys at Fooder Crafters. This was a gift from Matt at Fooder Crafters and, and, um, the fooder was so the beer that came out of the fooder was a gift back to him. So, well, no, I, I'd like um, that. I'm I, I'm an upper middle class basic white person. I think uh, I I worship at the altar of brunch. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of us do. I think brunch is is very big in the in the beer world. Definitely. No, I I like all right. Well, so let's go ahead and jump in. So, sure. uh, Joel, the way we we typically do this is. Uh, the classic AATMF type of thing. So let's go ahead and start off with, with aroma since you poured that from that can into your glass. Uh, Joel Codner, I'll start off with you. What are you getting out of the nose? So this, I mean, I love the beer overall, but this is probably my favorite aspect of it because, you know, it, I'm in Florida. Uh, oranges are everywhere. And uh, except for this one Jamba Juice I went to, I couldn't figure that out. But uh, <laughs> it's a true story. They ran out of oranges in Florida. Um, anyway, 
But when, I'm actually on my second one. I didn't realize we'd be drinking it so late in the episode, but uh, I got a six pack today and the aroma just jumps out at me. There's so much citrus and I've brewed, I used to brew this like orange honey wheat beer and I did everything I could to get this sort of aroma. I mean, I zested an entire case of honey bell oranges and then juiced them and uh, threw a bunch of local orange blossom honey in the whirlpool. And like every part of that orange went into the kettle in whirlpool and, then I dry hopped it with like a combination of bitter orange peel and sweet orange peel and didn't come anywhere near close to this until I used uh, essence. Uh, finally, everything popped. But um, I mean, the, the this orange citrus aroma is just bursting out of my glass. I love it. Glad to hear that. A- Aaron, uh, beat that because I think that was kind of perfect. I'm going to totally bring it down is what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> and, and only because of the way I describe this. Um, and you know how good I am at describing things, even though they're pleasant and not necessarily the most uh, wonderful ways. Sometimes I think of this as a wonderful way. I agree with Joel in that it's very citrusy, very orangey. It's a very nice smell. I, I really love how it smells actually. Reminds me of Tang. Oh, yeah, I, I get that. I can see that. I was yeah. going to say, for me, sometimes, you know, those like orange slices, the candy orange slices that are like yeah. Yeah. gumdrops. It's, like, not as, it's, not the, it's not as artificial as the Tang smell is, obviously. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it I reminds think, me of that. that I think uh, what you're getting at is that, that kind of bright citrus, like those vitamin C drop type of things that yeah. have like a lot of that orange essence it seems to be the word yeah. to describe this yeah but see um, what i mean when i said i, I like it and i'm going to describe it in a way that's going to disappoint people and joel immediately went oh when i said that oh which joel that yeah, i thought our, that was a good description I, I thought our was joel he was like god damn it you shut up that's what he that's, <laughs> what, that's what that ah oh, was so i <laughs> wanted Tang is like the GoBots of orange juice. So, you know, when you say that to the guy from the company here, you know, I, I didn't want him to be upset. I mean, you, you may like Tang and appreciate that in the beer, but, you know, I didn't want him upset. The yeah. GoBots of uh, orange juice. Well, that's why I preface it as I'm the, you know, I'm me. I'm the dummy of the group and I'm not the most articulate person. I'm going to describe it the best way I know that people will understand. Because I'm trying well, to I'm going to I'm going to drop a bomb. I'm sorry. I was gonna drop. I'm gonna drop a bomb on you guys here in a minute when I give you a description that's straight from Lauren. Um, but I'm not. I'm gonna save that for right. you guys to walk through okay. the rest of these. No, I, no, I I'm like that. To I, relate I like to the, the everyman out there. Yeah, t- Tang Tang is is the GoBots of orange juice is a T-shirt idea. So Jolie, you got your first Bitter <laughs> Units T-shirt. Um, I skipped over appearance. Normally, I start with appearance, mm-hmm. but. To me, I wanted to hit aroma because it's the very first thing that hits me when I yeah. pour this beer. Normally, as I like to do appearance first, yeah. but as soon as you open that beer, you get that aroma. So I wanted to talk about that. So now that you've poured it in your glass and you're looking at this appearance, what what are you guys seeing? Um, well, yeah, so it's it's hazy, um, but not extremely, turbid. right? Yeah, not turbid, I guess is the word, right? It's cloudy, light cloudiness right haziness um 
it's a beautiful color um you know orange golden type color um i got a nice probably half an inch or so of head out of it when i poured it originally um that has dissipated now but it is still hanging out around the edges of the glass you could definitely see it in joel's right there yeah look at Uh, that late it's also the official new belgium glass i don't know if you i think this might be like my first craft beer glass but um i mean look at that lacing and head retention you don't often get that in a sour beer yeah for for all of our listeners look at that uh (laughs) <laughs> but, but yeah no, no it's re- it's really good yeah. in those regards is what this for sure so yeah it, it and, and to joel's point you don't get that in a sour beer because so many times it's been abused in other ways that there's not enough of that protein um it just it, you know all those other things that are blowing off everything else a lot of times a lot of sour beers you kind of have to like blow down the tank just to get off all those volatiles that are nasty and this has a very nice uh, lasting head and good lacing. Absolutely. And and one side comment about appearance. I absolutely love this can label. Yeah, actually, yeah. When, we're done with the, when we're done with the tasting, I actually want to talk about the can, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we will. We will. Great. Um, awesome. Okay, so we've we've looked at it. We've smelled it. Um, we kind of do taste, mouthfeel, and finish just because sometimes they're kind of hard to parse apart. Um, I, Joel, since you're going to say something smarter than good tang, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will go ahead and let you describe what you're getting from taste, mouthfeel, and finish. So the more I drink it, the more and, – and just like with the aroma, all that citrus flavor comes through. What um, – what really impresses me is that if I kind of close my eyes and imagine, uh, you know, the, the few times I've had mimosa, I feel like I'm getting the same exact mouthfeel. I've, at least, at least like a mimosa I would have somewhere else. If I were making my own, I, I love like super extra pulp, uh, which is ironic considering, you know, my thoughts on murky IPAs. But... Uh, <laughs> um, but like I feel like I'm getting almost an identical flavor and mouthfeel of an actual mimosa. Um, obviously not as you know highly carbonated as the champagne that would be blended in it or the sparkling wine. Um, you know that probably would have blown this can up. But um, it's it's just bright and effervescent and crisp and all of those good things about a mimosa in beer form. I mean I've seen a thousand cocktail beers and i feel like they're so out of balance and this one it, it it's it's done so well and balanced and the other thing i really like is that because of like citric acid and orange flavorings that are out there sometimes you can get like an extremely astringent and dry finish and i don't get that here which is really impressive yeah, and, and I, I like what you said that it, it strikes you as a mimosa. It's not like effervescent like champagne, but it still has a champagne like quality and a champagne like finish, right? Like yeah. you almost get like that sparkling white grape type of characteristic. It's dry without being astringent. It's um it's a soft grapefruit flavor without being, you know, it's not just orange juice. It's not just like orange juice and beer. 
um, which is really nice. Aaron, what what are you getting out of uh, that? Yeah. Finish? Um, so I agree. Um, it is a citrusy and it's tart, I would say, but not like every sour I've had to this point has been like vinegar in my mouth to me. And this is not. Um, it's tart, but it's the right bit of that for for what it is to make it, like Joel said. Mm-hmm. Um, seem like champagne and a mimosa. I mean, it's it's really pretty freaking spot on in that regard. Um, it does finish dry. It, it leaves the tip of my tongue a little bit dry and tingly after the finish, which reminds me of champagne. Um, uh, <laughs> Mark it down. <laughs> I will drink the rest of these without complaint, and I would drink many more if someone had All them around. Right. Um, and I could 100% see sitting around at a brunch and drinking the shit out of this. Sure. Sure. Yeah, a- absolutely. It, um, it, it, it was... It, it's one of those, again, where it... it it's not so tart, but one of the things that I've tried to, to talk to you about, Aaron, is that not every sour beer has to be um, just mouth puckering, uh, just astringent sucking on a tea bag and, and having so much. Uh, well, you know what I mean? Like where it just makes your lips kind of or your cheeks collapse in on itself. Do a lot of I, tea bagging, do you? There's none of there's none of like that right here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you don't you don't yeah, get you're it not under your it in the back of the neck cheek. or anything. Yeah. No, like for that. sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had to make sure. the joke for JT since he's not here because you know he wouldn't let a tea bagging joke pass. Yeah, no, that's um, that, that's true. Uh, but no, it's it's it's. I I understand what you're saying, and you know me. I've without question tried everything we've done and. You know, uh, tried to be honest about the way I feel about everything we've tried. Uh, much to Joel's chagrin, I will tell people exactly what I think, whether they're on the pod or not. To um, mine or, or Joel Wynn? Yeah, to yours when you groan at me. Well, um, <laughs> but. Well, well, no, no. He's not groaning at you because you know, have bad I'm, opinions, he's groaning at you because you're dumb. Well, I know. <laughs> no, it's I, fine. I, and I'm teasing him. So, um, but no, I mean it's it's really good. Um, I, I really do like it, um, and that's why I continue. And part of the fun for doing this pod for me is to get outside of the box for me, because I would not pick this up at a store. I would look at it and walk right by. It. Yeah. So, so Joel Win for for. Um context for you uh first of all aaron and i have had kind of a back for like I, i'm always a drink what you like and if you don't want to drink something don't put it in your mouth right like i can make fun of different kinds of beers all day long but at the end of the day drink what you like um but aaron has always said that all sours taste like vinegar to him and i've said well you're just drinking a lot of shitty sours um but we haven't had a lot of sour beers on the podcast that he loves. And so full disclosure, when I, when you picked this beer, 
he didn't say anything, but I could hear his eyes roll from Everett Washington. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him what he had to go pick out. Uh, so uh, this may not sound like high praise, Aaron, but but trust me when I say it. I, I'm ecstatic. I, in fact, I'm 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 just uh, I'm very very pleased at how all of you um, have reacted to it and your descriptions. And I'm really, really pleased that all of you were able to relate it back to the cocktail because that was the goal. It was really meant to be a mimosa, um, sour. I mean, the cocktail was the inspiration. I mean, brunch and mimosas, that's just, they go hand in hand. So, I mean, that was where, that was where the journey for this beer started. Um, what I can tell you about the beer, uh, it's a wheat beer base. Um, we use calamansi fruit. Uh, a lot of folks aren't familiar with calamansi. I'm not necessarily very yeah, familiar with Yeah, I wanted to ask just, you about I'm that. I'm familiar man. with it just because of this beer. I had never had a calamansi fruit before this. But uh, it is a very, very popular fruit in, um, in Southeast Asia, uh, in Southeast Asian countries. Um, I think it's, it's a very, very popular fruit, for example, in the Philippines. Um, it's a very, very acidic fruit. And this is, I, I was going to, you guys were talking about tang and you're making kind of these references that you thought would be offensive. Well, Lauren described calamansi fruit as being very, very acidic, almost like warheads. So, I mean, <laughs> warheads is a candy. I mean, that's, that's the term she used. So I don't think using words like tang and, and me talking about, you know, the, the gummy, the gum, gumdrop orange slice fruits all of those kind of are in the in the realm of what they were as far as just flavoring going for uh, on, the, on the citrusy side but she really wanted something really really acidic um and just in her in her words she said using something that acidic allowed them to use less sugar and, and have more flavor in the beer um we were uh actually adding the fruit um, during the boil before when we, the first few batches, we did this since then, um, they've started adding the fruit in uh, post fermentation and, um, Cody, uh, Cody Rafe, who's our brewer, he's the, he actually the brewer for this beer. Sure. Um, Cody, uh, had made the point that once we did that, um, it definitely, it definitely improved the fruit presence. So that, that aroma, uh, you know, that, that citrusy flavor and aroma that you're getting was definitely more prevalent. And um, it also improved, and, and Joel alluded to this, the foam stability. So a um, couple, couple things that they did there to improve it in that regard. Uh, we use, um, we use uh, right now we're using a Kolsch yeast in that. Hmm. Uh, initially, wow. we were using, initially, we were using a London ale yeast number three, but they've since moved to the Kolsch yeast. Uh, just works a lot better for them in the in the brewery. Uh, in the, in the brewery. Joel, and I'm not brewer, a, would you have guessed that? Not in a thousand years. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, and um, so when we started adding the 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 fruit after fermentation, Lauren told me that she just thinks that that made it so much more like a cocktail. Um, so that allowed the brewers to brew the beer, and then she is able to blend it and make it like a cocktail. So that's when the cocktail, like it's, the, it's that end part of the process that really makes it become a cocktail almost. And uh, other than that, just the, the, um, the ingredients in general, it's, it's 35% Felix. Felix is our sour blonde that we use a sour, sour blonde base. Um, uh, and uh, we use a wheat beer base. So it's a wheat beer blended with 35% Felix. 
we add in the calamansi juice and then um the the, the the citrus flavor is coming from clementine oranges and mexican orange um zest essence if you will <laughs> natural flavoring so um and she she went into she you know get a brewer talking about the ttb and forget about it you know it's like uh, there, there was just yeah so so it's it's natural flavorings um <laughs> joel yeah. you have a lot of that in florida don't you uh I, <laughs> <laughs> um yes that's, that's... <laughs> and felix is the base beer that we use for all of like or have been using for all of our or anything that has like a sour blonde base to Le Terroir, for example, is a um, very well-known beer from our wood cellar. Um, what's another one? Eric Sale from Eric Salazar a few years back. That was a very, very popular sour blonde base uh, that Felix was used with. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a great beer. Lauren did tell me, and she told me it was okay to, to share this with you guys. Uh, she is working on tweaking uh the Felix recipe little, a little bit, and she will be creating our third sour base beer in the brewery. So we, right now we have Oscar, which is our sour, uh, sour base, base beer. We have the sour base beer. You have to be, you have to be, you have to be of a certain age to even understand that. Yeah. Um, The Oscar and Felix thing, the odd couple, but we, yeah, we, uh, we have Oscar, which is our more of a, that the base beer for that is, um, if you're familiar with our 1554. So the pre 1554 base that we use when we're, we're just, uh, that's what they use to, to, to make Oscar. Um, the sour, uh, Felix is, uh, is like a Pilsner wheat kind of blend based beer. And then, um, this new, this new variant that she is developing, which will be our third blending beer is going to be called Gilda. And, uh, that's going to be coming out of Fooder 61. All of our Fooders are numbered there. Everyone's like a baby. She, she knows every baby in her, in her nursery and, uh, Fooder 61 is named Gilda. And Gilda will have a slightly lower ABV. Um, Gilda will be cleaner and a little bit crisper. So look for some of those Gilda-based beers in the future. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Once again. <laughs> breaking news on the on the Bitter Units podcast. Yeah. Does, does, does she ever put Felix through a Randall? Uh, <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I don't think she has. Um, some of us have. I mean, you give these uh, beer rangers a Randall and go to like you know some accounts, and we'll run all kinds of crazy stuff through a Randall. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think we do much of that anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's a there's a, a beer implement called the Klugman uh, that they all could go through, but uh, that's fantastic. I, that's that's a very subtle joke. I really appreciate the the Oscar and Felix one there. Um, I, the thing I, I, that I will say that I really like about this beer is for being a cocktail beer and for having all of that fruit characteristic to it, it still is a beer. And that is one of the things that I get so frustrated by so many of these people that just take a beer and put a shit ton of fruit juice in there is that it no longer becomes a beer to me. And this is very much, it drinks like a mimosa. It has a ton of those characteristics. It takes on the the orange juice and the champagne. But it's still, at the end of the day, this, I 
like I can identify it as a beer, um, which is fantastic because it has it, it's a perfect balance of all of those things. And for your listeners, it's it clocks in at six percent ABV. Perfect. Yeah, that's ex- yeah. right. Because like I don't. Because when you want to get jacked at a brunch, you need something with a little bit of alcohol in it. <laughs> and I don't think it drinks like six percent at all. No, I, I don't, don't either. No, no, I don't either. There's especially in in a beer with this much citrus and orange. I feel like the alcohol somehow becomes a little more prominent, at least, at least in the experience of some of the ones that I've had. Um, but it's definitely like, fuck, I'm t- now I'm brain farting. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, it's just, it, I don't feel like there's alcohol in it. Like, like in every other sip, it feels like it, wow. Cause I drink a lot and I'm not comparing the two, but I drink like I've got a, polar seltzer here is backup but uh, uh you know i just i drink a lot of like flavored sparkling beverages and this i mean and, and like honestly i'm not even buzzed or anything and I, I'm, I'm finishing my second now and it's just very like it's to me it's like the perfect florida you know crusher beer and and I like I want to say, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the official number is for quote unquote sessionable, but, you know, with this at six percent, I feel like I could drink 10 of these. It's it's just it's dangerously uh, easy drinking sitting under, <laughs> sitting under an umbrella right, on the beach or something in yeah, South yeah. Florida. You could drink a boatload of these things. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, th- I think it would creep up on you like a mimosa would, you know, mimosa is yeah, right? pretty nice. Yeah. And I, I wanted to circle back to something you guys said in your descriptions, the whole talking about the actual sparkling wine or champagne aspect of it, the crispness, mm-hmm. the cleanness of that. Um, I thought that was really cool because that's something that we hadn't talked about amongst ourselves. When I was talking with Lauren about this and Andrew about, cause I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make sure I, I captured some of their, their thoughts about the beer since they created it and, and convey that to your listeners. But um, the, 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 the whole champagne wine white wine sparkling wine thing never really came up so to hear you guys say that uh really makes me feel like we nailed it yeah no i i get a ton of that champagne quality like like you know not like a brute champagne but like a like a like an american sparkling white you know there's enough of that kind of something that goes really well with tang yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, what? Yeah, what I usually do is I just take a barefoot Chardonnay and I mix in some orange drink tang, and there that that's what my mimosa. Is, right? <laughs> love it, and no, and I I love hearing and appreciate you know the the candor as far as how it was made because I feel like, and I wouldn't guess it in this beer, but I feel like I can imagine so many other smaller breweries um just doing like a kettle sour adding a ton of blood orange puree and like fermenting on champagne yeast i feel like that's immediately where they would go to with it and this one just feels like there's so much more um you know intent in it rather than just like we're going to mimic a mimosa like 
all of the aspects of a mimosa were considered when crafting this, and I, I, I really like that. Yeah, frankly, everything Joel said is probably what I probably would have done. As a <laughs> so if, if, if the owners of my brewery would have said, come up with a, a mimosa sour, I probably would have done a kettle sour with blood orange puree and champagne yeast. So, yeah, no, I, I uh, echo that wholeheartedly. I, I want to I ask you guys who are experts – um, by the way, Joel, you were on mute anyways. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you guys who are experts. You know, we talked about the fact that this was a, a Kolsch yeast. Um, I drank a Gaffel Kolsch on the first half of this pod here. Um, is that, as being the non-brewer guy here, obviously, is that what helps it give you that dry finish more? Because Kolsch is kind of finish dry right um is that is that what helps deliver that champagne i mean could you do that with a different yeast i mean is that why they got what they got yeah i think um there's many different aspects to it i mean you know your your grain bill comes into account you know your mash temperature your Yeast, I mean, it, it, fermentation temperature, there's so many different things that, that are going to affect dryness and the body of it. But um, uh, I, I, to me, I like, I, it, now that he said Kolsch yeast, there's that power of suggestion where as I drink it more now, now all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, it's got that, that Kolsch crispness to it, even though it's bursting with so much more aroma and flavor than your standard Kolsch. Um, so, and then, and then you've got that blend of the sour, you know, the, and, and I'm sure there's some acidity contributing to a little dryness, but man, I mean, I, I, am just, it, it, I'm like, wow, I am really not that creative. Like, <laughs> like I kind of <laughs> right, get down right. on myself, like, man, how, how did, how did I not think of that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the cold cheese is not, so like cold can like impart, uh, pear and apple, maybe a hint of banana. You get sulfur. And so you're all like maybe getting just the best parts of those qualities in here, right? You're getting just a little bit of that, like, you know, I took a bite of pear while after chewing some juicy fruit, you know, type of thing going on with that. Um, and just a, just a hint, hint of sulfur that is appropriate, but it's not none of that is overpowering in any way. And you know that probably lends a little bit to that that champagne quality as well. I think, it, but yeah, like Joel said, like you know, having the strong uh, wheat bill be in there, and I don't know what she chose for her uh, her mash temp, but you know, it definitely finished out very clean and very dry, but not acerbic or you know. It's just perfect. Well, all I can say is I feel like um, I didn't lead you guys on any of these uh, suggestions or any of these things you said. And um, I can't wait for this podcast to come out and for me to be able to send this back to those guys at the brewery to listen to. They're going to be so excited to hear your um, your comments. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like um, just, just knowing what they were going for and how you described it, I feel like um, we can check all those boxes. I'm, I'm very happy with the uh, how you guys received it um it, it's I, I mean the more i've drank of it the more i like it i'm i'm 
fixing to mute myself and go get another one here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'm so happy that you like this one. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, oh, dude, I, I, I like mean, I said, I, I can hear you roll your eyes. I hate. Tim, but Joel, <laughs> happy, happy to appease you. But um, I'm, I'm going to dumb it, go dumb, dumb it down here a little bit again. Because as I drink more of this and I think of ways that I can describe to those of us who listen, because I know there are people like me that listen that are not craft beer connoisseur people, right? Um, that aren't in the industry and don't know all of this stuff. The the mouthfeel mouth part of it, what it reminds me of the more I drink it and the longer we go here is, especially when I was a kid, I always used to love putting a lime in my mouth, right? And sucking the rest of it out after I'd squeezed it over a fish or a taco or whatever, right? And then a couple, you know, a minute later after that initial burst of tartness because of the 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 acid there and when it mellows out a bit you get that dryness and that lingering kind of um acidity in your mouth right um and that's what this it, you don't ever get that that hammer of of tart or that hammer of acid but you get that right from the beginning that really pleasant after bit of sucking on a lime or a lemon or something like that um i don't know if that makes any sense but that's no, what I, it, no I, I get what you're saying because you get like Absolutely. that that uh, one of the, the nice things about like sucking on a on a lime is like that pulpiness and so that kind of cuts through the tartness and so you kind of get some of that without like the mouthfeel of, of the pulp but you get kind of that more uh, g- green characteristic I guess like that that comes through which I think is really nice I think I. Joel Codner, maybe I don't know if you are like me. Uh, La Folie was really the like probably one of my early introductions into sour beer. Um, it was it was one of the first uh, entree for me into that category because it wasn't something that I had had a ton of experience with, and so it does not necessarily surprise me that New Belgium could could you know take. A very good example in America of a Flanders and, you know, continue to evolve the style into something like this where it's definitely more delicately done, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, to me, you're probably right. This was probably one of the first for me because back then when I first tried it, and it must have been at the brewery. Uh, in 2013 because we still weren't getting their bottles and stuff just yet but also we had very few breweries back then uh, you know locally and no one was really attempting the sours you know everyone Mm -hmm. was certain that if you even attempted to brew one it's going to infect everything in your brewery and and you're finished so it wasn't until like the kettle sour Florida vice, you know, took off that everyone started doing it here. So um, I'm I'm kind of grateful to have started with beers like this in, in the realm of sours. And um, a funny story that I'm sure anyone who's listened to United We Drink, uh, they've probably heard this. Uh, we were I 
Joel, do they is the official name the Fooder Forest or at least like the you know official nickname or <laughs> official nickname? Yes. Okay, so you know we uh, we were I think his name's Jack Joyce uh, was giving us the tour, and he took us down through there, and it was just really incredible, and almost reminded me of like when you're on you're like in line in a theme park ride and like it, you're not just outdoors you're in like some you know landscape that they've built like like it had that feel to it like we were about to go on this ride and there was a kegerator down there somewhere in the middle of the fooders and a big stack of glassware and i guess whoever was pouring for the people on the tour i don't know bathroom break they just they weren't there so everyone was just pouring their own and then I started doing that, and I think I, pour, I I don't remember the exact way it went, but somehow I ended up like tending bar for a few minutes at New Belgium because everyone started hand you know having me pour their beer for them, <laughs> and it's like shit, I got to catch up to the tour now. Yeah, are um, you sure you didn't have some stock options, Joel? <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah, you might be on that ESOP uh, that would have paid off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably be worth less than Doge for the amount of time I spent working there. But <laughs> no, I. No, yeah, that's I, that's all very cool. I love to hear all that. Yeah, it, it really, it really is one of those where, um, again, I I've said this to Aaron uh, because he has not liked any of the sours until this one uh and he's he's still going to pretend like he didn't like this one when i bring it up later just because he doesn't want to admit that i was right on something um that's correct <laughs> but i'll never admit you being right but other than that yeah, off the I love, record i like it yeah but i love that uh joel mentioned the fooder forest um specifically because that is, if you do go to New Belgium and, and take the tour, uh, please, you, you got to make sure you get back there and see that. It is one of the coolest parts of our brewery. Um, we have, I think we're like right around uh, 60-ish. I, I know that we, we actually, uh, some of the fooders need to be replaced and some of them need to be, you know, they require a lot of maintenance. So I'm not exactly sure what the total number is, but it's somewhere between 60 and 70 uh, fooders right now that we have. And um you know, it's it's just a really eclectic bunch of, of, of fooders. They've come from all over the place. Some of them were were very specifically uh, like the fooder crafters. I mean, those were very specifically bought um, from fooder manufacturers. A lot of the early ones came from from uh, wineries uh, around. You know, from California, from from uh, over in Europe. Uh, back then, you could get fooders really cheap. People like like we go to a winery. Wineries can only use them. You know, they have a, a really short. Uh, lifespan at a winery because once all the tannins pulled out of the wood they can't use it anymore so so then you know they don't have anything they just want to get rid of it it's in the way so all these you know we'd show up and say hey you want to get rid of your food they go, yeah just take it we don't want it and then you know all of a sudden you got a bunch of fooders and you know, they, they required some work and so they became a little bit more uh, the brewery became a little bit more um uh dialed in in the fooder selection process as time went on uh, and there was a time I remember going back to the brewery one time and there was a, a Frenchman um, in in one of the fooders working. They, they brought a, 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 a skilled um, cooper over a cooper barrel maker over from 
from uh, France to repair a bunch of our fooders. And we had to actually hire a French translator, you know, for the three, four weeks he was there to make all that work and, and come together. But uh, yeah, the fooder force is pretty neat. One thing that's really, the, the, it's interesting. I, I've had the, the good fortune of being able to travel over to Belgium and tour the Rodenbach brewery and their fooders are just like this beautiful, as you could imagine, like very just straight lines one looks just like the next, like the next, like the next, and they go on for miles. And mm-hmm. it's just a really, really neat setup. And then you come to New Belgium, it's just like, it's like the, the, the island of misfit fooders, you know, they're all, like, <laughs> they're all just kind of different, crazy. Uh, um, they all have, and they all have their own stories, which is really fun. Right. Like, like the, the, the fooder crafters, Dominga fooder. We have another one, which is the, um, I'm going to get this wrong. It's called, uh, uh, so, oh no, uh, I, I think it's Fooder 67 or I'll, I'll get that wrong. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but it's, uh, the, the actual Fooder is called stars and strikes. And it's called that because it was one in a bowling match at like two in the morning. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, all the other Fooders have a story like that too, but it's just, you know, it adds, it adds character and it's fun to have a story that goes with the beers. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the can art. So we brought that up earlier, and you said that you want, you had something to say. Because uh, I agree with Joel that this can art is slick. It's it's amazing because, like, you guys are very good at branding. Um, I'm not just saying that because you're here, but because I can go into a liquor store and I can pick out a, a – you know how, like, you go into a liquor store and you're looking all over the cooler – and then you find you can find a section for some breweries because they're so good at branding. Like I don't have to see New Belgium to know when I found the New Belgium section. This one would not jump out at me as a New Belgium brand, but I love the look and feel of this can. Yeah, thank you. Well, so we did um, uh, several years ago. We our our entire specialty portfolio went through a bit of a a, a makeover. Um, Andrew Emerton, I'll give Andrew a shout out again, uh, was, was very much involved with that. And I, I need to give a shout out to the guys at Good Beer Hunting, uh, the Good Beer Hunting studio, not to be confused with the Good Beer Hunting editorial side. They're two very different, distinct things. Uh, we've worked with the studio quite a bit on design things, and uh, they actually are the ones that came up with this super cool font and logo. So um, kudos to those guys. I mean, it's collaboration. I'm sure Andrew was involved with that a lot too. But uh, but yeah, the, a, a guy that works uh, with uh, the GBH team, his name is Kyle Latindra. Sorry, Kyle, if I pronounced your name wrong. But Kyle uh, was the guy that came up with this particular um, design and font and all of that. And his inspiration, you guys are going to love this. His inspiration was he wanted the logo to feel like you're drinking a beer in a wood paneled room underneath a portrait of Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the inspiration there. And also the, the color of the can, just that kind of matte red finish on it is just, it really pops. It's very striking. The six-pack carrier has the very similar color to it, also pops. 
Um, you say that, you know, it, it, it's a little bit a new Belgium-y for as far as like new Belgium branding goes. I, I can see that at the same time. I'm also so used to new Belgium branding and such. It, to me, it's, it, it's, it's right on brand for new Belgium as far as I'm concerned, but that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful piece of I, just the, the branding and the, and the, the packaging in and of itself is, is art. Well, and I wanted to back up one last before we yeah. get, uh, before we continue on, I want to make sure I make it clear when we're, when we were talking about the production of the beer, um, that is a team effort. It's not just Lauren. Lauren's very, obviously very much involved in the blending side, but I got to make sure I give shout out to Cody Reef again. Cody is the brewer for this beer and his team. So Cody is all up. Cody makes the beer and then Lauren blends it. And I really want to, I really want to um, comment on the label for a second here, uh, if it's all right, because number one, I love the minimalism. I mean, a while back, I actually Agreed. asked people on Twitter to like, you know, post their favorite minimalist labels, um, because I feel like in a time now where there's so many breweries, so many beers, and with everyone trying to stand out, everyone is almost overthinking it, and there's like. You know, I, I deal with it where I'm at now where we have a company designing some of our labels and they're given some direction up front to kind of, you know, steer them in the direction we're looking to go. But, you know, you get something back and you're looking at it and you're just like, God, like, we got to change that description and the, you know, can, can we flip those colors? Can that be yellow and that be green instead of the other way around? And you know, this text should pop, you know, because it's just kind of fading into the, you know, all these things, you know, you're, you're dissecting it. And, and obviously everyone wants to put out like, you know, the best, most eye catching thing to stand out. But at this, like when I was at the store today, half the cans on the shelf, you know, just looked like, uh, what are they? The, um, Fuck! What did they call it? the magic eye posters from the nineties? No. Where like, where like <laughs> if you, you stare at it long them. enough, you see yeah. a sailboat, that kind of yeah. thing. So, so good dolphins, yeah. Because uh-huh. Cooter is a sailboat. I, I don't remember if it was what the movies. What was it like? Beer Wars or whatever it was years ago. And you see Sam Caligione in the grocery store, oh, yeah, like yeah, describing yeah, yeah. the billboard effect. You know, if you've got. Mm-hmm a whole bunch of beers that look, you know, all the same label, you know, it's got that billboard effect. We're like, here's all the Bud Light and here's all the Coors and everything. So the shell, I mean, it was chaos at the store today and everything was organized by, you know, different groups or whatever, but I'm still like, I don't even know where I, you know, I, I looked for this in the new Belgium part of like where all the uh, assembled packs were, and I didn't see it, and then fortunately I found it somewhere else. But you know, like Tim said, it doesn't jump out as a New Belgium uh, label. But I love that. Uh, I love the minimalism of it. I love how the red is not. You know, obviously people listening can't see this, but if you look very, very closely at it, it kind of has that dotted uh, coloring to it, like uh, some older comic books would. Where, like, you know, Spider-Man suit isn't actually, like, solid red. Like, if you look closely, it's, like, tiny, tiny dots of red. And that's what yeah, I see. There's, there's, like, a stippling texture to the background. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like if that were solid, it would look like a can of Coke. Yeah. But, but like, you look at this, and it's kind of that off red. And, you know, as I turn the can and the light, you, you know, it's it's going through all these shades of, like, red and copper and then you know the tiny tiny bit of you know aluminum of the can 
mixed into all those red dots it comes off almost like a glowing golden at certain angles. So it's it's such a great can. And the longest block of text on this thing is the government warning. Yeah. You know, it's, not, it's not like they tried to tell us this, this whole story that we're going to read once and then drink the beer and forget all about it. You know, it's, it's you know, very straightforward. Mimosa sour. Uh, sour ale with calamansi fruit and natural fruit flavors on the side. Uh, can you comment on uh, why it says from sun up to sundown? I cannot. I, you know, <laughs> I've, I've looked at this can multiple times and right before we started the, the, um, the recording today, I was looking at the can. I was like, what's that all about? So I tell you what, I, I will, owe, I, I owe you an answer to that. I will, uh, I will hit you guys back. Um, when I've, when I've found out what that's all about. I don't know. Somebody must have, yeah, somebody will know the answer to that. I don't. But, but even to Joel's point, like the, the sour ale with calamansi fruit and the, the from sun up to sundown, they're not big. They're not bold. They're, almost, you know, my, it's my like, parents. It's like that, fine print. The, the, my parents oh, would have to put on the reading glasses or, or Aaron would have to put on reading glasses. to. to well, I got long stuff. arms so I can hold it out further, <laughs> which helps. Um, well, I have to say, uh, we've worked with uh, Michael Kaiser and his team on on several uh, design sure, projects sure, sure. as they as they re- uh, relate to to the specialty side of our business, and um, it's always been a really great collaboration. They have some really really talented people over there, and I definitely want to make sure that they get kudos and, and a shout out for um, for their work on this. Yeah, I mean, um, the thing I want to say about it, and I'm going to be real real blunt for those people listening here is the can tells you exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's Dominga, it's Mimosa Sour. If you drink this and you don't get that, you're fucking broken. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, the label is I simple. love it. I love it. It's really, <laughs> it really is simple. And all the things that Joel talked about give it this kind of elegance, right? Because it is so simple. It's elegant, Right. I, and I love that you use that word because that uh, I know Lauren and I know that she goes for elegant in her beers. That is something that she strives for. So, you know, so that is high praise, high praise. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, it's, it's what, you know, for a guy like me who is a minimalist kind of person and really enjoys that. Hey, tell me what it is. Let me decide if that's what it is. And whether I like it or not. And this is exactly that, right? It says what it is on the label and that's what it is. It's very straightforward, simple. Um, and it, it's like I said, it, it's, it's an elegant, uh, label. I mean, I suppose you could compare the font to, uh, Farrah Fawcett's flowing locks back in the day. Uh, <laughs> so if you so really I, wanted to. Well, I'm old enough to remember that Farrah Fawcett poster, actually. I probably, I think I had the pillow. My, my, so I, my so wife's I, middle name is Farrah. I, I wanted of that I, poster. I wanted to say. I wanted to say. Uh, uh, it's the bathroom in between El Bait Shop and uh, and yes. uh, Highlight yes. Lounge. Wow. How's that Farrah Fawcett poster? They do. They absolutely do. You're absolutely. We just came full circle. We yeah, I know. I I thought that was a that was a great like segue or or callback i guess was that farrah fawcett poster i don't it I, it's either l shop or it's in between them anyway yeah yeah 
Yeah, I think I know exactly. I've seen it. I know what you're talking about. And yeah, when you yeah. said it, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or awesome. Aaron, you might remember the the uh, Brooke Burke poster at at Welch Avenue Station that was there. I don't think that's years. there anymore. I think no, some, it isn't. It some jackhole ripped it down. Yeah, I know. Oh, those people should be stabbed. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was this Brooke Burke poster in Welch Avenue Station in Ames when Aaron and I were there, and it was new then. But yeah. then every time we would go back for like a football tailgate and go to there, it, it was still there and it lasted for like 20 years. And so it was, it was the Farrah Fawcett post in, in, uh, in El Bait shop of Ames. It was that version of that. Yes. That's, uh, that's right. Um, um, I was also going to say, uh, thank you for calling out Cody as well. So yeah, I know Joel follows Cody on, on Twitter. I follow Cody um, uh, it's you know he's not necessarily a, a prolific t- tweeter by any means or whatever, um, but but we know what goes into making a beer and like the whole staff, the whole team to make these beers come to well, and and I'll add if there are assholes in the business, Cody is not one of them. He is one of the nicest guys out there that you'll ever meet. Absolutely. Well, that that's that's good. He, he comes across that way. I mean, I I've, I've obviously never met him, but he's one of those guys that I follow on, on Twitter for a reason. And and uh, uh, you know, to make a beer like this happen, it's one idea. It's one thing to have it be an idea in somebody's head and to like convey that message of here's the beer I want to make. But Joel, how many times have you had an idea that you wanted to execute, but you were you had to rely on everyone else to make it done? And, and like how. It's not easy to do that, right? Me? Yeah, right? Like, well, how, how have you been able to convey to everyone else how to make a beer happen? No. Um, <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's... I, th- I think it kind of goes back to that cultural thing. You know, the, the people that you're with have to buy into what you're going for and what your goals are. And the, you know, I hate to use the word company or just brewery, you know, that... They need to be on board, and that kind of comes from the top down, instilling all that, and it's not easy, and we are also a service industry, so sometimes there can be high turnover, and it's it's tricky to, like, really get people involved and understand what you're going for and care about it. You know, you can't make anyone care. Um, that I feel like that just sort of comes naturally with the, the culture of, of your business. But, um, yeah, I mean, in a way, people kind of need to want to, uh, you know, be a part of it as well. Um, you can't really force it on them. So there's definitely been times where, you know, not everyone's on the same page as far but I, like, it's honestly not much of my experience. Like I've been really fortunate to work with friends and really good people and, and come up with some really cool stuff and, and, you know, try to get everyone's input and everything. And, and, you know, that, I mean, like it also goes into like, you know, talking to your front of house staff, if you're a brewery of our size or similar, you know, but, you know, ask like, what are people asking for? Like, what do they want from us? You know, how did they like the last thing? And, you know, when you're, when you're working on that next beer, it's important to communicate them and go, Hey, here's what's coming. It's really awesome. These are the descriptors and, you know, all that good stuff. But it, it is tough. I imagine it's, it's easier at, at a place like new Belgium, but, 
it, it's it, it can always it, it's tough man yeah I, I could imagine you know trying to take that same mentality and that culture and now having to spread that out to people all over the country in disparate regions and and you know locations that are completely different uh, you know for like we're grateful because because Joel actually made sure to check with the brewers and say hey what are the things you want me to hit when we talk about this beer type of thing but I can't imagine what it's like to take a beer like this that is sold you know we're we're in Florida we're in we're in Washington we're in Minnesota like to be able to communicate that same message um that's a that's a coordinated effort I would imagine um well, I think, and I want to kind of add on to that a little bit. I think Joel's willingness to go talk to the brewers and all that shows, um, to me, the respect he has for those people and the job that they do and the beer that they're producing. Um, and to some extent, when when you talk about culture, right, it's it's about hiring the right people too, you know, and and mm. and. Uh, you know, having people that one want to be there, like Joel said, but you know, two are 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 just good people, right? Good culture comes from good people, or and vice versa. And good culture can help turn mediocre folk into good culture people, right? But mm-hmm. it's not. It's about hiring the right people and having the respect for your coworkers and all of those things when you talk about culture. Um, and it's you know it starts that, that, obviously that and also I, I didn't want to sound like an, an idiot whenever I was talking about <laughs> I mean I, I'm I'm the but first that, to admit I'm a sales guy I'm not a brewer but I that don't also brew it. Comes I've never homebrewed you know I do respect them very much yeah. I, I mean it also comes to respect yeah. to respect yeah. and and wanting to represent yourself and the brewery and and the brewers and everybody in the best possible way you know I'm a sales guy too and. You know, I, I don't ever want to do anything that puts our family-owned company in a negative light or anything like that. And, you know, that comes from who you are as a person. Uh, to uh, a I wanted to talk too. about the beer in a way. I wanted to talk about the beer in a way that if, and, and not if, but when they, they hear this, I you know, I intend to send them this podcast link when it, you guys put it out and make sure they get an opportunity to listen. I want them to be able to listen to it and say, yeah, he did a good job representing our creation I, and that is respect i do respect them and i wouldn't want to have it any other way awesome well i, I can tell you this if they want to yell at me they're more than I, i'll give you my phone number and they can call me and yell at me for for tanging it up all they, all they're they probably want. they're probably going to send you like a couple cases just in the mail because you <laughs> you were so your your uh, your analysis was so good so this guy talking about tang i want to yell at this guy so I'm I've I've taken a yelling at once or twice in my life, so that's all right. When, when uh, you said tang, when you said tang, and I'm sitting here looking at my notes and I see warheads, I'm like, okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think uh, we, we've been going for a while here, and we probably need to wrap this up. Um, uh, Joel, guest host Joel, uh, anything we haven't touched on about this that you you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, I just uh, I really appreciate Joel's uh, you know candor and and, and uh, insight into everything that went into this beer, both uh, you know on the can and inside it. 
and uh, I'm I'm really glad he chose this one because I I um, I wasn't aware of it. I, I don't do a lot of beer shopping these days, and I'm I'm not drinking uh, too much, you know, or at least as much as you know I used to in the pandemic. And uh, I'm really glad to have discovered it. And uh, when I when I brought the six pack in, uh, as my wife greeted me at the door when I got home today, she her eyes lit up because you know her her parents you know like to do brunch at their house sometimes, and there's always tons of mimosas. And my wife loves sour beers as well. So I mean, I'm definitely a of this i feel like i want to go stock up on it and have it you know with breakfast now yeah right on so when during our break i actually grabbed a second one for myself but i also grabbed one and took it upstairs to my wife because last week when my mom and dad were in town and my brother from hawaii and his wife they were there were most as most mornings at the house so i took one up to her too so i totally get where you're coming from uh, on that front and and I want to say uh, a very hearty thank you to you uh, for jumping on and being our guest host this week uh, with JT being out uh, yeah I was really excited to know that you were going to be the guest host that was a, that was a big uh, uh, that no, was I, a big I, bonus bonus for me oh that's very kind uh, <laughs> no I, I I'm happy to do it and, and would gladly do it anytime I love you guys and uh, you know this is fun I I you know it's been i was in a non-distributing brew pub for three years and then a very small brewery for like half a year and and you know all this pandemic and everything so to like talk shop with other beer people and brewery people that are not the ones i see every day is really really a privilege and i I really appreciate it i I love that this i love that this podcast is is coast to coast right now joel you're in southern florida Aaron and I are in, in northwestern Washington, like the northwestern part of Washington. Yeah. And uh, Tim's right in the middle. So we, we, we're covering all bases here. You can't get much farther apart in the U.S., <laughs> really continental can't. U.S., than Joel and us. So for sure. Um, and again, I just want to reiterate, Joel, thanks thanks again for joining us. We're Thank you. happy to have you. And obviously, you're, you're always going to be welcome back. And I'm sure there'll be another time where somebody can't be here and uh, you know, we'll be happy to have you again then. Uh, Tim, anything else you want to hit on before we sign off? Not really. I, You know, it's funny. So Joel and Joel just kind of had a little love fest there. But I will say that <laughs> um, uh, when I told each of them what was going on, when I asked Joel Codner to, to be the guest host for Joel Wynn, he's like, oh, sweet. That's an awesome guest. And when I told Joel Wynn, who was going to be the guest host, since he knew that that what our traditional lineup is, he's like, oh, that's awesome. I've always wanted to talk to that guy. Um, my favorite thing about Better Units is that it gives me an excuse to talk to these people that I don't get to see, like, me ever, right? So, like, you know, someone like 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 Joel Wynn. I consider him a friend. We make jokes to each other. We we rip on each other. Uh, we you know do all the things that friends do, even though we don't know each other. Um, it's just great that we get to do this thing, and so I, I was really excited to to make this 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 episode happen in particular because uh, not not that you know. JT, we love you. Uh, 
it was fun to be able to have someone kind of new in here and 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 to, to uh, talk. And man, this beer, like like Joel said, this wouldn't be something I would have grabbed. And shame on me because this is a good beer that I will grab in the future that I would have passed over before. Um, it it absolutely is something that. Dude, watching you, Aaron, go grab another beer, uh, it warmed the cockles of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's uh, it was not something I expected to do before the pod started, for sure. Um, I, you know, I like to think I'm a relatively open-minded person when it comes to trying new things and all of that. So, um, you know, I was open to liking it. Um, and I did, and it's awesome because it is new and different, and a, an avenue that I haven't explored a lot. Uh, so that's great. And one of the things that to mention, you know, as we've crossed over the year point, I think our episode with with John and Off Color was basically our year anniversary of the pod. Um, all the people I've met, all the uh, connections I've made with people that I would have never met in, in any other way did the, other than doing the pod has been a real uh, pleasure and a real joy uh, to do and uh, as as the pod grows and hopefully continues to grow and Tim and I start doing what I am labeling the bitter invasion of cities <laughs> yeah. uh, when we take trips and go visit places uh, I wanted to steal, I don't know if it's stealing IP technically, but I wanted to do a shirt called The Bitter Invasion with me and Tim and JT um, and maybe Sasquatch or something uh, walking across <laughs> Abbey Road and call it The Bitter Invasion instead of The British Invasion. I don't know if that's technically a bad thing or not, but I think it'd be a great shirt. Um, but, uh, you know, so... Um, I got sidetracked there thinking about how awesome that shirt is. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's been a real pleasure doing the pod and, and discovering new beers and people. Um, Joel, God, this sounds it, like a, like a farewell episode. I know. Jesus I'm going to pick it back up here. Joel, <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on the pod. Um, um, it's nice to have for the first time, someone from the brewery, uh, even though this is our third new Belgium beer. Um, to speak a little bit more um, to the history of the brewery that we talked about and the, the fooder forest and some of those things that we hadn't hit on before, um, which I didn't know about because um, I'm the beer dummy here, right? Um, those That's something that I can think of that, hey, you know what, that would be really cool to see um, and, a, and a fun experience. So I appreciate that. And uh, you are all welcome anytime. Anytime you guys want to come check it out, you just hit me up and I will make sure you get a great tour. If, so. if, if we can convince Joel Codner to come to Des Moines, you're going to fly back to Iowa. <laughs> uh, I am so overdue for an Iowa trip. I would actually do that. I, I love those guys. Um, I, I talk about it all the time. I, I have not been back uh, for, well, since I've, I've been back since when I was living in Missouri, obviously it was pretty easy to hop up there. So I would go up there occasionally, but I have not been back there since, uh, since I moved to the pack Northwest. And, um, there are a lot of great people I would love to see. And I, if, 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 if that's the, if that's the reason to make it happen, count me in. Perfect. Tim, there's, there's no convincing needed. Believe me. I, I, as soon as, uh, 
I guess I've got my Vax passport. Uh, you know, there's I want to go everywhere. Can can we line it up with what do they call it? Bacon Fest. Yeah, yes. Bacon Fest. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be really cool. Bacon yeah. Fest rocks. Bacon Fest. So when is when is that? Uh, I can I'd, I'd have to look. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't uh, know, but I think we just had Joel at Bacon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, so with that, um, I want to remind everybody again, check out the tailgatesociety.com. Lots of great writing as well as podcasts. Uh, Tim's other podcast uh, that he does, which, speaking of Sasquatch, they they just talked to people about finding Bigfoot um, and on the latest episode of old man strength that will drop relatively soon. Um, probably before you hear this actually. Um, but uh, you know, sports and corks and matinee baseball and culture check and all those other people that are doing pods at the tailgate society. Um, but don't, don't skip the writing part. There's a lot of really great uh, opinions and writing going on there too. So check those out. Um, and then check out our sponsors, the American Home Brewers Association and Deadeye Barbecue Sauce at their respective websites. And uh, I think other than that, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate everybody being here and, and spending the time. And I don't I don't think I have much else to say. So guest thanks host. For, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, guest host Joel. I'm going to give you the last call. <laughs> what are we doing? Last calls? Just for you on this oh, episode. God. We're, we're doing a United We Drink style last call. Oh, Just man. for you. The last word. Right here we go. God, you, you know, you, uh, I, ha- I had this weird feeling you would either do that or like maybe we would all do that. I, I thought about it today. Oh, Christ. Now I'm on the spot because I really didn't go through with this plan. Um, <laughs> Oh, I don't know, man. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right. We stumped I'll him. Just, I'll we just say it. again. <laughs> I'll just say again. Great to talk to all of you guys. Great to, you know, quote unquote, meet the other Joel. Um, that sounds terrible. The other Joel. Like, like I'm the, you know, like it's Highlander. Um, <laughs> we already talked that you're Joel the greater. I'm Joel the lesser. No, I'm okay no, with no, that. No. I'm okay oh, with no. that. No way. Uh, you're Joel Win. I'm Joel Lose. Um, but yeah, thank you guys. Great to talk to you. Uh, look forward to doing it again in person. Perfect. Awesome. And with Likewise. that, yeah, we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun. Cheers. <laughs>